You are listening to a Bible-based message from River Rock Church in Belle Plaine, Minnesota. We invite you to join us Sundays at 10 a.m. We also encourage you to visit riverrockchurch.com for more information and resources. Now here is today's encouraging message from Pastor Chris Tyen. Hi, this is Pastor Chris from River Rock Church, and today I want to talk to you about regrets. Regrets undone, or, oh no, what have I done? Now, you might be the kind of person that is not introspective at all, or even retrospective. You might just think that everything's great, and whatever you did, you did, and you're not changing anything because you're good enough. Uh, There's others of us that, uh, like, at the end of our day, look back on what we did and didn't do uh, and ask the Holy Spirit to reveal any sin in our lives that we need to confess, and we're seeking to please Jesus and do the right stuff. Uh, Some of us even set goals and want to accomplish those things. Uh, We want to get through each each day uh, honoring the Lord and not sinning and not causing hurt and trouble and pain. But we all have many regrets. Uh, Regrets can be debilitating. Regrets can cause us to uh, not want to participate in church, not want to participate serving Christ, not want to participate even trying to live the Christian life because we just have so many regrets. We uh, fall for Satan's trap. He's the accuser. Uh, We fall for his uh, trap and uh, we just think we can't do anything because we're not good enough. Uh, We are good enough in Christ. But I mean, uh, regrets. I have regrets all the time. I mean, I had a regret just this week. So I needed some new phones, looked around at the different phone plans, and uh, got one of those buy one, get one deals on the phone. Uh, So anyway, the two phones arrive, and they weren't as great as I thought. And I was looking at the bill, and sure, they're going to, over 24 months, you know, pay for half of it. But I was sitting there looking at an $1,800 uh, bill for for two phones, uh, you know, and I'm like, oh, this doesn't feel good. This doesn't feel comfortable. So anyway, I uh, got the phone I needed off of eBay. I'm sending the new phones back. They weren't even that nice, but uh, buyer's remorse. They actually have a policy that said I could return it because of buyer's remorse. I had buyer's remorse. Sometimes I have word remorse. Sometimes I wish I hadn't said what I said or said it the way that I said it or said it when I said it. Um, anyway, uh, regrets, regrets undone. Wouldn't it be great if there was a way that we could undo our regrets? I've literally prayed that the Lord would cause the words that I said that were worthwhile to stick and the stuff that I might've said that wasn't worthwhile to evaporate, disappear, be forgotten about. Uh, the Bible says where words are many, sin is not absent. But anyway, uh, regrets. I can look back on my life and see a lot of things that I regret. I don't regret starting River Rock Church. I was just thinking that um, 19 years ago on Palm Sunday, we had the Christian music band River come and play a concert, and that was our first public service. And then we had uh, people come back for Easter Sunday, and we've been to church for uh, that 19 years ever since. So I don't regret that. So... uh, Anyway, uh, we need to uh, move forward. You might regret a lot of things. You might regret uh, your career choice. You might regret um, the car you leased uh, or purchased. You might regret so many things. Um, But what we need to do is we need to move on. 
Uh, we need to, if we need, if something that can be forgiven, uh, then we should seek forgiveness. If it's something that we've purchased and we're upside down on it, then hopefully we can wait it out, uh, get it paid off and not fall into that trap again. Um, anyway, so many things that people regret. I'm sure I don't have to convince you. Um, matter of fact, you can just think to yourself, you don't have to say it out loud if you're around anybody, but, uh, the thing that you regret is, I wish I would have, I wish I wouldn't have, yes, I did that and I asked forgiveness, I need to move on, I know that person did that, I know they've asked forgiveness from the Lord and from others, and we need to let them move on, we need to give them permission to go on and be successful and even serve the Lord. So uh, don't get caught up in the if only kind of stuff uh, or the uh, I did it and now I'm no good. I'm ruined uh, no matter what it is. It can lead to a spiritual depression. Um, you could spend your entire life regretting something that you did and uh, then not answer God's call, not be used by God to make a difference. You know, actually, some of the people that make the biggest mistakes, some of the people that have the biggest regrets are the ones that are most faithful to serve the Lord because they've learned from their mistakes and they're not going to do it again because they've already felt the pain of what happened in the past. So give those people uh, some room to serve and to carry on their, their Christian life. But anyway, um, I just wanted to talk about... Uh, Regret and getting over regret. Uh, regret is sorrow or remorse over something that has happened or that we have done. Regret can also be a sense of disappointment over what has not happened, such as regretting wasted years. To be human is to have regrets because making mistakes is a universal experience. So another question uh, that I have to ask is, if you have regrets and you feel terrible about it, why do you feel terrible about it? Do you feel bad because you've dishonored God and you're not living up to uh, your potential in Christ? Or do you feel bad for yourself? So A.W. Tozer wrote, regret may be more, uh, regret may be no more than a form of self-love. A man may have such a high regard for himself that any failure to live up to his own image of himself disappoints him deeply. He feels that he has betrayed his better self by his act of wrongdoing. And even if God is willing to forgive him, he will not forgive himself. Sin brings to such a man a painful loss of face that is not soon forgotten. He becomes permanently angry with himself and tries to punish himself by going to God frequently with petulant self-accusations. This state of mind crystallizes finally into a feeling of chronic regret, which appears to be a proof of deep penitence, but is actually proof of deep self-love. So, uh, sometimes... God forgives us, but we can't forgive ourselves. So I know it's Palm Sunday and, uh, you know, we could be talking about, we're going to talk a little bit about Jesus riding into Jerusalem, uh, presenting himself. He knows he's going to get crucified. Uh, it's part of the plan. But when I think of regrets, when I think of somebody that had regrets, I think of the apostle Peter. I think of Peter and Jesus called Peter and Peter follows Jesus. 
Are you following Jesus? Matthew, just skim with, just skim with me through Matthew. So the book of Matthew, actually our Bible quizzers have gone through the book of Matthew, so they probably memorized all of these passages anyway. But anyway, as Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. At once they left their nets and followed Jesus. Jesus literally came up to them and called them, said, hey, come follow me. And they were fishermen, and so they totally got what Jesus was talking about. And they're like, okay, I don't know what we're signing up for, but it sounds good to me. And uh, so Peter and his brother followed Jesus right then and there. So Peter was learning, Peter was serving, Peter was uh, living the dream, really, to be following Jesus. Uh, What a great thing. And there was that one day that he wanted to walk on water like Jesus. You know that story. Uh, Matthew 14, 28. Uh, Peter's trying to walk on water. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. So he gets out of the boat. He starts to walk on the water, but he loses sight of Jesus. He gets fearful and he starts to sink. Jesus says, oh, you little faith. But Peter was following Jesus. Peter was stepping out in faith in Jesus. Peter knew Jesus. So, and then Peter confesses that Jesus is the Messiah in Matthew chapter 16, verse 13. It says, When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, Who do people say the Son of Man is? And they replied, Some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. Uh, Verse 15. But what about you, Jesus asks, who do you say I am? And Simon Peter answered, You are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. Verse 17, Jesus replied, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. Jesus has plans for Peter. Uh, In the New Living Translation, it says, Now I say to you that you are Peter, which means rock, and upon this rock I will build my church, and all the powers of hell will not conquer it. So Jesus has plans for Peter. Jesus sees that Peter is going to be significant in the building of the church. Uh, Peter is somewhat impetuous. Peter is, uh, I don't know, a man of action, and God is going to use that. Jesus is going to use Peter to build the church. So have you, are you following Jesus? Have you confessed that Jesus is Lord? That's one of the things that are required to be saved. So another thing is to believe that Jesus died on the cross for our sins and rose again, uh, the resurrection. And we're going to talk about that uh, next week, the resurrection on Easter Sunday. But Romans 10, 9 says, If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it's with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it's with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. So have you professed your faith to be saved? A great way to do that is praying. Praying is talking to the Lord. Praying something like this, Lord Jesus, I acknowledge that you died on the cross for sin, for my sin, and that you rose again, and that you can forgive me of my sin and come into my life and save me, that you want to do that. So Jesus, please come into my life and save me. Make me the person you created me to be. I want to follow you as my Savior and my Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.
And if you've done that, tell somebody. Tell somebody what you did. Tell us and so we can get you some resources to help you to grow in the Christian life. So, you know, Peter wasn't just a disciple. He was one of Jesus' inner three. So Jesus takes his three closest disciples, Peter and then brothers James and John, to experience the transfiguration. So um, Matthew 17, 1 after six days, Jesus took with him Peter, James, and John, the brother of James, and led them up to a high mountain by themselves. There he was transfigured before them. His face shone like the sun, and his clothes became white as the light. Just then there appeared before them Moses and Elijah, talking with Jesus. And then Peter, uh, he says, uh, Lord, it's good for us to be here. If you wish, I will put up three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. Peter didn't know what to do, so he just starts talking. He's like, okay, all-powerful, mighty God, you need me to build you some shelters? I want to be helpful. But anyway, so Peter experienced that. Peter experienced Jesus, and I'm pretty sure that Peter was right there in the procession for Palm Sunday. Well, I'm going to show you this video. Uh, watch the story of Palm Sunday unfold with these striking visuals as you hear and see the crowd celebrating and his enemies plotting. You'll see Jesus enter Jerusalem, fulfilling the prophecy from Zechariah, Behold, your king is coming to you. And one, it's Palm Sunday, so I want you to see this. And two, I want you to realize all the opposition and all the pressure and all the fear that could uh, be uh, in Peter's mind. Uh, because you know that he's going to deny Jesus. But anyway, so watch this video and then uh, just keep that in mind as we read the verses about Peter denying Jesus. The Bible says that as Jesus and his disciples approached Jerusalem, he sent two of them to get a donkey and a colt. This fulfilled the prophecy in Zechariah. Behold, your king is coming to you. Righteous and having salvation is he, humble and mounted on a donkey on a colt, the foal of a donkey. Jesus mounted the donkey and rode into Jerusalem. Many laid their cloaks on the road before him and brought palm branches to wave and celebrate. Hosanna in the highest heaven. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna to the son of David. But not all who were there understood him. Some called him only a prophet believing him wise, but denying his divinity. Some raged and cheered for a revolution, hoping he would liberate them from their oppressors. To others, he was nothing more than an interruption. Even as children ran to him and shouted for joy, his enemies wove through the crowd, watching, seething, plotting. The range of reactions was great and wide. Celebration worship, revolutions, deception, cynicism, condemnation, boredom, disinterest. But every single person had to confront one thing, who he was. Behold, your king is coming to you. All right, so <clears throat> let me go uh, over the Palm Sunday passage again. Let me just read that. Matthew chapter 21, verses 1. Uh, 
I don't know how far I'll go, but as they approached Jerusalem, they came to Beth. Some say it's Beth Foggy. Some say it's Beth Phage. But anyway, on the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples saying to them, go to the village ahead of you. And at once you will find a donkey tied there with her colt by her. Untie them and bring them to me. And if anyone says anything to you, say that the Lord needs them and he will send them right away. Isn't that amazing that Jesus like, had everything arranged, that he knew what people were going to say, that all this was taken care of? Uh, Jesus takes care of things as we need it. So uh, verse 4, uh, This took place to fulfill what was spoken through the prophets. Say to daughter Zion, See, your king comes to you, gentle and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. That was prophesied, and it showed that Jesus was coming in in peace. He wasn't riding in on a war horse. He was riding in in a smart car instead of a Ford, new Ford Bronco or something. So instead of an F-350 uh, war, war package or something. Anyway, uh, the disciples went and did as Jesus had instructed them. They brought the donkey and the colt and placed their cloaks on them for Jesus to sit on. Verse 8, a very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road, while others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. The crowds that went ahead of him and those that follow shouted, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest heaven. So they wanted a Messiah that would save them. Uh, Hosanna means save us or save us now. And so uh, these people are crying out and uh, as Jesus rides into Jerusalem. And uh, a little while later, not too long after that, Jesus predicts Peter's denial. Uh, before I read that, though, um, I was just wondering, you know, I'm sure you're familiar with the Bible. Uh, how many of these people were there when Jesus rode into Jerusalem and they saw him coming and thought, oh, great, the Messiah is here. He's going to set us free from this Roman oppression. We are no longer going to be bound to these Romans that are ruining our lives. And the Messiah has come. It's time for us to be number one again. Great days are here. We're so excited. This is the guy. Uh, but then they didn't, or that Jesus didn't meet their expectations. They were disappointed with Jesus. And then not very long after that, uh, were some of these people that were shouting Hosanna with the crowd, were they some of the same people that were shouting out for Jesus to be crucified? Were they out yelling, crucify him, crucify him? They went from saying, save us, to crucify him. Then Jesus was on the cross. And he died early. They might have thought, oh, he must be weak. He didn't even last very long. But wow, that was some pretty crazy storm stuff that happened there. The weather really changed that earthquake. Oh, but after that was over, and then there was talk uh, about Jesus rising from the dead. They were probably like, oh, what, what's happened here? Uh, did I just shout crucify the Son of God? Did I just shout crucify the Messiah? And then a little while after that, after the Holy Spirit came upon the apostles, Peter preached his message in Acts chapter 2. I'm getting ahead of myself, I guess. But I was just wondering, how many of those people got saved? Were part of the thousands that got saved uh, when Peter preached? How many of those people went from, we're on your side, we want you, Jesus, to crucify him, we don't want you, Jesus, to save us. We want to be saved, Jesus to following Jesus for the rest of their lives. Did you go through any process like that? 
Is there any type of fear that caused you to deny Jesus or not share your faith? Uh, was there a period of time when you thought that Jesus was not uh, real, that Jesus was not, uh, that it was a fairy tale, that it was made up, but then eventually you came to Jesus, you got saved, the Holy Spirit uh, came into your life, and now you know who Jesus is, uh, but you're keeping it to yourself. You're not telling anybody. All right, anyway, I'm totally off track, but that's okay. Uh, Jesus predicts Peter's denial. Jesus knew this was going to happen. Uh, Peter's like, oh no, not me, I'm not going to deny you, but Luke chapter 22, verse 54. Uh, about Jesus. Then seizing Jesus, they led him away and took him into the house of the high priest. Peter followed at a distance. And when some there had kindled a fire in the middle of the courtyard and had sat down together, Peter sat down with them. A servant girl saw him seated there in the firelight. She looked closely at him and said, this man was with him. So what's Peter say? You know it, girl. He said, ah, no. It's like, woman, I don't know him. Verse 58, a little later, someone else saw him and said, you are also one of them. Man, I am not, Peter replied. And about an hour later, another asserted, certainly this fellow was with him, for he is a Galilean. And Peter replied, man, I don't know what you're talking about. And just as he was speaking, the rooster crowed. The Lord turned and looked straight at Peter. Then Peter remembered the word the Lord had spoken to him. Before the rooster crows today, you will disown me three times. And he went outside and wept bitterly. Peter did the exact thing that he said he wasn't going to do. He was like, I'm going to die with you. I'm going to die for you. I'm so committed. I'm on your team. You know, let's take these swords. I'm, I'm, I'm for you. I will not deny you. I don't care what they do to me. So... A couple of guys and a girl come along. He's like, not me. No, I'm not with him. Now, did Peter think he needed to be undercover? Uh, I don't think so. I don't think that's an excuse. Because this passage says that Jesus saw him do it. And Peter saw Jesus see him do it. That rooster crowed. And then Peter just broke down and like, I just ruined everything. You know how fast you can just ruin everything? How fast you can go from, I would never say that. I would never do that. I would never lie about that. I would never, I would never. And then you do. It's like some impulse, some pressure, something causes you to do things you wouldn't expect. And it can cause great regret. So Peter did the one thing he never thought he would do. And he feared it would lead to a lifetime of regret. I've ruined it. What am I supposed to do now? Peter said, if only I hadn't denied Jesus, but he saw and he heard me do it. In his book, Go the Distance, Ed Rowell says there are two types of pain in life. The pain of self-discipline, which is always eased by accomplishment, and the pain of regret, which aches and aches with us until we die. You know, there is a lot of pain of regret. Uh, There's things that we do that we can't undo and just go with it through life, but we need to move on. We can't let it hold us back. We can't let it hold us down like a weight or like chains, a burden. Um, What's terrible now is with the internet, uh, some of those things that you do uh, get recorded and they never go away and you just have to own it or change your name. Uh, Anyway, Adam and Eve, they're probably like, if only we hadn't eaten from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Moses said, if only I hadn't killed that Egyptian when I was young or struck that rock in anger when I was old. Elijah, if only I hadn't been so fearful that I ran away from Jezebel. 
David says, if only I hadn't used Bathsheba and had her husband killed. Paul said, if only I hadn't helped persecute Christians. There's so many if-onlys in the Bible. What about you? What's your if-only? Jesus can help you get past it, no matter what it is. And the people in the church should see your desire to confess that, to be forgiven of that, to move forward, and to be free of that stigma, be free of that history, be free of that mistake, be free of that mar. You know, it might not be anything sinful at all. It might be something simple, like if only I would have gotten more education, if only I would have stayed, if only I would have moved, if only I would have chosen a different career, if only I would have married someone else. You know, if you married someone and they're not a believer, or you think you married the wrong person, uh, you're married to that person. So until they die, and you should not do anything to help expedite that. But what I should do is pray for them, love them, show them grace, and to be a great husband or be a great wife, and trust that God can use you to draw them to Jesus. So um, you don't get to leave. You can love them towards Jesus. If only I had been wiser with my money. If only I had shared my faith before he or she died or before he or she moved away. Um, so many things. Maybe you regret a careless mistake. Do you regret something that was intentional? Was it accidental? Was it careless? All these things lead to regret. Uh, for some reason, my keyboard on my computer, I don't know what the deal is, but uh, the last couple of days, it's been... Uh, like printing out extra numbers and skipping things, and it's been real awkward. Uh, so I can see how you can make a typo. But years ago, before they even had computers and they used typewriters, people still made mistakes. Uh, I read the story of an $11 million typo. Uh, can you imagine being responsible for the $11 million typo? I have to admit that sometimes when I know of a mistake and something's gone really bad, the first thing I want to check on is to make sure it wasn't my fault. I feel really good when I can say, oh, it wasn't me. I can prove it wasn't me. So, but anyway, but bad things still happen. Anyway, it was a simple clerical error, but it would be the most expensive typo of all time. In 1978, Prudential, the largest insurance company in the U.S., lent $160 million to the United States, to United States Lines, a shipping firm. As part of the deal, Prudential got a lien on eight ships. In 1986, the United States Lines went into bankruptcy proceedings and started selling off assets. Prudential said it was owed nearly $93 million of the value of the lien from the ship's sale. Or so the insurance company thought. A closer look at the lien documents disclosed that someone had omitted three little zeros, thus entitling Prudential to $92,885 only instead of $92,885 thousand dollars. The mistake loomed larger when McLean Industries, parent firm of United States Line, sold the ships for $67 million. In a settlement approved later by a federal court, McLean agreed to give Prudential the proceeds from the sale of the ships, minus $11 million. That was the price McLean demanded for disregarding the missing zeros. So, man, that is a mistake. But we live under grace. We're called to live this life Accepting the fact that God gives to us, not regretting what we don't have or what we didn't do or being sad that we didn't enter into the knowledge sooner that we now have fully, but enjoying what is and knowing that it is from God's hand that we have received what we have, 
that's the answer and that's the truth that is the most important thing so uh grace we could have like uh made a huge financial mistake and we just need to pray and move on and do the best we can but jesus reinstated peter jesus came back and jesus reinstated peter peter john uh, 21 verse 15. when they had finished eating jesus said to simon peter after resurrected jesus uh jesus said to simon peter simon son of john do you love me more than these yes lord he said you know that i love you one jesus said feed my lambs jesus said simon son of john do you love me he answered yes lord you know that i love you two jesus said take care of my sheep and the third time he said to him simon son of john do you love me and peter was hurt because jesus asked him the third time do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. And Jesus said, feed my sheep. Jesus allowed Peter to reconfirm his commitment three times, and that almost undoes Peter's regret. Peter denied Jesus three times, and Jesus gave him an opportunity, resurrected Jesus, went out of his way to give Peter an opportunity to undo that and proclaim his commitment. And then Jesus says about Peter, um, you know, you're going to follow me and things aren't always going to be easy. Uh, maybe that's true in our life too. John 21, 18. Uh, Jesus says, very truly, I tell you, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. Jesus said this to indic indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. And then he said to him, follow me. Follow me. Jesus wants us to follow him too. It's not guaranteed to be easy, and we're definitely not guaranteed we're not going to make any mistakes. But the truth is, is that even when we mess up, God can still use us. The truth is, that even when there is um, trouble, when we uh, get hurt, when we do wrong, when uh, life is just difficult, uh, we can still be used of the Lord. We can still keep moving forward, but we have to make a commitment to keep moving forward. We have to make a commitment uh, when we wipe out, when we fall down, when we make a mistake, to ask forgiveness, to clean up, to get help maybe, and then to move forward and to live this life for Jesus. You know, all my life, I remember times where I almost quit. So, you know, I fell down. Uh, eventually, I got back up. So sometimes that's like, oh, I'm never doing this again. And then a short period of, later, short period of time later, I'm back at it again. So I remember I was wearing my Pittsburgh Steelers black and yellow Terry Bradshaw jersey back when he used to have hair. I lived in Colorado. So it was either the rooting for the Denver Donkeys, Pittsburgh Steelers, Minnesota Vikings. I like the black jersey, really. I was trying to tell my wife, that old guy, that really old guy that you just saw on TV, he was, used to be an awesome quarterback. But nonetheless, um, I was skateboarding along, I hit a rock, I went flying through the air, uh, got all bloody. Uh, threw the skateboard in the bushes, went into the house. I'm never riding that stupid thing again. And then when I stopped bleeding like 20 minutes later, I went back out there and I was riding it again. So uh, I fell off a fast horse at a Bible in a Bible camp rodeo. The saddle was in tight and it started to slip down and I fell off and broke my arm and uh, or sprained my arm. And then uh, it was in a sling. Then I had, uh, I don't know, a day later, a day and a half later, I was back on the horses again. Actually, it was funny. 
Uh, I didn't really think I, I'm not going to ride horses because I'm scared, but they're like, you have to get back on the horse again. Uh, you may never get back on a horse if you're scared. If you fell off, you've got to get back on the horse again. Well, I wasn't too concerned uh, about not getting back on the horse again, but I thought it was cool that they encouraged me. And I want to encourage you that if you know somebody who has um, fallen off their horse, has fallen into sin, has uh, made a mistake, has been made to look foolish, has uh, done something embarrassing, has fallen uh, in some way that you need to help them get back up, find forgiveness, and get back to serving, get back to living for Jesus, get back on that horse again. Titus 3, 3 says, At one time we too were foolish, disobedient, deceived, and enslaved by all kinds of passions and pleasures. We lived in malice and envy, being hated and hating one another. But when the kindness and love of God our Savior appeared, He saved us, not because of righteous things we had done, but because of His mercy, He saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit. Uh, verse 6, Whom He poured out on us generously through Jesus Christ our Savior, so that having been justified by His grace, we might become heirs, having the hope of eternal life. You know, that passions and pleasures, that, that hating one another, uh, that leads to regrets. So uh, that's not the way that Christ followers are supposed to live. And again, he saved us not because we were righteous. He saved us not because we didn't make any mistakes. He didn't save us because we were perfect. He didn't save us because we deserved it. He saved us because of his mercy. And we need to uh, share that great news with others. So, a story is told about a promising junior executive at IBM who was involved in a risky venture and lost over $10 million for the company. When IBM's founder, Tom Watson Sr., called the nervous executive into his office, the young man blurted out, I, I guess you want my resignation? And Watson replied, you can't be serious. We just spent $10 million educating you. You know, sometimes we need to see uh, mistakes and people uh, learning from their mistakes as great education. Romans 8.1 is such a great passage to encourage us. Romans 8.1 is such a great passage when we're feeling down, when we feel like we've blown it. Uh, Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So no, God doesn't want you to keep living in sin or choose sin and say, oh, I'm forgiven, no condemnation. But when you do blow it, when you did ask forgiveness, when you wonder if you could be forgiven for whatever you did, uh, no, there's no now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So again, don't live in the sin, uh, but if you do sin, realize that there's forgiveness and you can move forward. You know, God can use our failure to teach others. God can use the difficulties we go through to be an example for others, to uh, have compassion on others, to teach others. Luke twenty-two, thirty-two, Jesus says, I have prayed for you, Simon, that your faith may not fail, and when you have turned back, strengthen your brothers. So Jesus is like, you know, if you fall down, get back up. If you fail, uh, when you've turned back, when you've returned to me, strengthen your brothers. So um, Christ's love was greater than Peter's failure, and God's love is always greater than our failures. So, you know, Christ knows every sinner by name. He knows that we all sin. He knows that um, we are not perfect and he can save us and he can help us. And Christ's love deals personally and privately with every sinner. You know, uh, Jesus didn't call out Peter in front of the group uh, and said he went to him privately. Um, 
Peter's sin was somewhat public, so eventually the Lord restored Peter in front of the other apostles. But um, at first, uh, Jesus wanted to connect with Peter one-on-one, and we need to do that too. Uh, that is a good way to do that. Uh, Luke 24, 33, uh, about the uh, guys on the road, uh, the two men from Emmaus that met Jesus on the, on the road there. Um, here's what the verses say. They got up and returned at once to Jerusalem. There they found the eleven and those with them assembled together and saying, It is true, the Lord has risen and has appeared to Simon Peter. Uh, then the two told what had happened on the way and how Jesus was recognized by them when he broke bread. Isn't it amazing that the Word of God wants to point out that Peter, who denied Jesus, uh, was seen by Peter. It was a big deal. Everybody, I think, knew that Peter denied Jesus. You know, Peter might have been running around saying, I can't believe I did that. I'm such a, I'm a failure. I'm ruined. And they're like, oh, Peter. But Jesus went out of his way to connect with Peter. Uh, You see that in the scriptures more than just that that verse there. Um, 1 Corinthians 15, 5 says he appeared to Cephas, Peter, and then to the 12. I'm going to look at 1 Corinthians chapter 15 next week. But um, it's part of the gospel message is that Jesus appeared to Peter, the one who denied him, the one who said, I don't know him. So anyway, uh, so exciting to be able to have that forgiveness. And then Christ's love is based on grace, not human effort. So Jesus doesn't love you because you deserve it. Jesus doesn't love you because you were just born the right way in the right time to the right people uh, into the right church. Jesus loves you uh, with his great love and grace. God's grace is unmerited favor. That means you can't do anything to deserve it. You cannot earn it by good deeds. You cannot get more of it by extra effort. You cannot qualify for it by making promises for the future. If you do anything to merit it, then it's not something, then it's something God owes you, not unmerited favor. The only proper response to grace is to receive it the very moment, this very moment, if you'll honestly turn to God in your heart, say, Lord, I've sinned against you. I don't deserve your mercy. I realize that Jesus Christ died to pay the penalty I deserve. I ask for your forgiveness. He will forgive all your sin. His cleansing will sweep over you like an ocean wave. You know, 1 John 1, 9 says, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. There are so many scriptures that talk about being forgiven and so many people in the Bible that needed to be forgiven. Uh, we are given a Bible full of Bible heroes that had some kind of fault, some kind of sin they fell into, uh, some kind of difficulty, uh, some kind of issue. Uh, they weren't even Abraham, he wasn't perfect. So um, Job, uh, Job was a pretty righteous guy. He needed better friends and a more faithful, faithful wife. But anyway, Psalm 103 Verse 8, the Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love. He will not always accuse, nor will he harbor his anger forever. He does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. That's sin. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. Verse 12, as far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. As a father has compassion on his children, the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. I'm out of time. Um, So this is kind of a preview for what I'm going to share tomorrow uh, when we have our live service. Uh, We currently don't have our own building space, so we are trying to be creative and we're meeting in the front of Oldenburg's restaurant. And uh, that's unusual. Uh, Actually, I should state that it is also a brewery as some people are like, you're meeting in a brewery? 
hey, uh, we're meeting wherever we have an opportunity. And the owner, Colt, is very kind. So you can support them, as a matter of fact, with their pizza. They've got great flatbread pizza. This isn't a paid advertisement, but I'm just saying uh, that we meet there at 9.30. We'll be there this Sunday, Palm Sunday, and then Easter Sunday. And then uh, maybe uh, the week after that, not. They have some kind of a faith thing. But anyway, would you pray for us that we find a place to meet, that we find a building, that we find a way to keep moving forward? Would you uh, let us know how we can pray for you at riverrockchurch.com slash pray. You can uh, give us your prayer requests. Let us know what God's doing in your life. Uh, you can see other messages on YouTube or Facebook. Go to riverrockchurch.com slash media, and it will give you the link so you can watch or listen. Um, would you give to um, help us to keep moving forward, to give towards our general fund, helps us to move forward. Uh, it would be great if uh, you would uh, prayerfully uh, help us financially keep moving forward. We have some groups meeting. We've got a men's group and a women's group, uh, life groups and youth group. Uh, Bible quizzing for the year is just about done. But isn't that exciting to think that um, the seasons are moving towards spring and summer? I'm excited as it gets warmer out. Uh, I love it being able to enjoy God's creation. But um, nonetheless, next week we're going to talk about the resurrection upheld. Belief in Jesus' resur resurrection is a requirement for salvation. So anyway, uh, thanks for watching. Uh, let me just pray. Jesus, I just thank you for whoever watched this. I pray that uh, whatever uh, they've done, wherever they've gone, um, whatever's been done to them, that they would find healing, that they would find forgiveness, that they would forgive others, and there would be no regrets uh, that aren't undone, or at least uh, that they wouldn't uh, be uh, tied up to these regrets, tied down by these regrets, hindered by these regrets, that their life would feel like it was ruined because of regrets. We thank you for your word, and we thank you for your Savior. We thank you that you are our Savior. Amen. You've been listening to a message from River Rock Church. River Rock Church exists to help people of all ages connect to Christ and live well lives. W stands for worshiping, E for encouraging, L for learning, and L for loving. God wants you to be well. Visit riverrockchurch.com for our latest news and to access resources to help you and the people you care about live well lives.